0: In the high desert in the great american southwest i'm art bell slamming india radio like a supercharged nanoparticle
1: of unopinion. my name is george Napp. i'm richard serrett this is ghani willis
2: i'm george nori welcome to coast to coast am it's great to be here Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the one who listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Richard Dreyfus to your Steven Spielberg, and that we're doing alien encounters of some kind. I won't say specifically the level. Of encounter we'll be having because I don't know it's going to be a pretty intense level, Chris. This is going to be close encounter stories with the famous Whitley Strieber. We've we've heard the name Whitley Strieber before. No, we we've talked about Whitley a couple times in reference to his alien abductions. Um, I know one with was with Professor Masters who referenced Whitley Strieber's uh, encounters, and then also Whitley was the guy who was with art attacking Professor Courtney Brown. Boom. All right. So we kind of like Whitley a little bit, dude. Whitley is like an OG in the alien abduction phenomena world, dude. Like this guy was on the alien abductions when it like actually ruined your life to talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. Where you were actually a crazy person and now everyone has some kind of alien story. Yeah, now it's cool, man. But Whitley was like on this game so long ago and he was really good friends with Art. He actually has um, guest hosted Coast to Coast a couple of times. Love it. Can't wait to hear it. Yep. But before we get to the April 29th, 2023 interview with Whitley Strieber by George Nori, we will check in with our good friend Tim Penal with the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time! So today's article... Suspected drunk driver tries to switch seats with dog during traffic stop in Colorado. Dude, I saw this on the Internet. (laughs) Did you already see this one? I saw this one on the Internet. I didn't read it, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see more. All right. From the article. In a strange story out of Colorado, authorities say that a suspected drunk driver tried to switch seats with his dog in a foolhardy attempt to pull a fast one on the cops. The bizarre incident reportedly occurred on Saturday night in the community of Springfield, where the motorist at the center of the case was initially stopped by police after being spotted zipping down a road at around 20 miles over the speed limit. That's just a uh, Tuesday afternoon in South Carolina. (laughs) Only 20? (laughs) Only 20, dude. Oh my gosh, I did that through the neighborhood. Doing like 60 down the neighborhood, dude. It's a 15. I I only go five over the speed limit. I'm a giant rule follower. Very German of you. You know it. As the officer approached the vehicle, he watched as the man scrambled to swap spots with his dog, which was riding alongside him in the car. This man had to be on something more than just alcohol to think switching seats with your dog was going to work against the police. I've never been drunk enough to think that the cops would be like, I guess the dog was driving. Let's give the dog a ticket. I guess the dog was driving the whole time. They don't have thumbs, Paul. They, they don't. don't. Have thumbs. They don't. Do you think you could teach a dog to drive, though? Like if you gave him like little hooks, like special handholds? That's possible. It's possible. I don't know if they would have the brain capacity to react that quickly. And then also getting them to be able to steer and accelerate and break i would imagine would be a, a tough little bite but sure why not of course you can do it cops say the driver eventually quote exited the passenger side of the vehicle and claimed he was not driving presumably pointing the finger at the animal behind the wheel it was the dog the dog told me to get into the car officer having seen the switcheroo unfold before his very eyes the officer was obviously not buying the absurd excuse and he asked the man if he had been drinking that evening. I've had a, I've had a couple of drinks, officer. I'm not gonna lie. I don't think the officer would have needed to see the switcheroo to know it occurred. Right, not a requirement in the scenario. It's more terrifying if the dog had been driving the whole time. That's, yeah, that would be very scary. A little bit. Would you say it was a race dog? But dump, but. The motorist responded by making yet another poor decision, as rather than answer any questions, he took off running from the scene. (laughs) Oh, wow, dude. This guy was definitely on some drugs. This was not alcohol alone. The gormless getaway was short lived, however, as the cop quickly brought him down around 60 feet from the vehicle and subsequently arrested him for driving under the influence, as well as several, several other offenses related to the wild traffic stop. As for the dog that he had attempted to throw under the proverbial bus, <laughs> it's kind of funny actually. That's a good one. That's good. <laughs> police say that the animal quote was given to an acquaintance of the driver to take care of while the party was in jail. That that's nice of the police to let the guy call somebody to come pick up the dog. I've always wondered that like where does your dog go if you get arrested, but I guess they they allow you to contact a friend it's dependent the pound i've had to deal with it before somebody getting out of jail and being like where the hell is my dog (laughs) i was like have you been arrested a lot chris several times (laughs) they keep taking my damn dog poor Riker. they also jokingly indicated that the canine quote does not face any charges and was let go with just a warning <laughs> the dog, dude, wouldn't it have been funny if the dog was also under the influence? And they're like, okay, well, we got to at least charge the dog with public intox. <laughs> this dog is hammered. Blown point oh uh, uh- eight, dude. Dog's just weaving between the lines, dude. Can't even do it. It's ABCs backwards. You know, I, I do appreciate it, though, when the cops have a bit of a sense of humor in these stories, like when they uh, I think it was the cops in England that posted about like had anyone heard ghosts because their uh, their officers were hearing ghosts. I just like when they play along with a bit. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, most cops are just like chuds. You know what I mean? They're no more likely to believe in paranormal and conspiracy than the rest of us. What is a chud? When I think of Chud, I just think of, like, frat bros, but in their 30s. Oh, okay. See, I, I'm not online enough. I'm kind of like an AM radio guy. Right. So don't know what the kids are saying these days. What's the most common profession to be up late at night? Cops have to be in the top 10, dude, for sure. Oh, yeah, they literally have to. They don't have a choice. So... Uh, I. uh I would have no idea that cops would want to play along with weird stuff because you got, just like anybody else, dude, you got to eat up the time. Yeah. And you're, you're, when you're a cop, you're on the man's time, dude. And so you're even more likely to screw off. Mm -hmm. You're on the taxpayer's dime, dude. Nobody cares. With that, Chris, let's jump into some housekeeping. Uh, You can support us on Patreon, where you can get early access to episodes. And we're also doing a patron-exclusive series where we're reading through Bill Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse and analyzing that. It's much like this this, uh, show right here, but with Bill Cooper instead. So uh, join us over there on Patreon. The link will be in the show notes to find us. For as little as $2, you can join and support the show. And our patrons actually just bought Chris a new mic, so we really appreciate all of you. Our audio quality should be improving within the next week. I've been using a gaming mic, and it just infuriates Paul for some reason. I didn't think it sounded that bad. You are so whatever. loud. You are so loud. That's just me. I'm just a loud person. We need we need a condenser. We need game control. We, we're really going to work on the audio for a year or two. It's going to be great all right okay after well, a year we can we can improve i'll allow that <laughs> and then eventually we'll get someone to actually cut the, the audio for us yeah um, a professional a professional to do something for us uh you can find us on reddit um coast to coast pm on there where chris will uh answer questions and i will occasionally jump in we got a twitter c 2 PM pod we have an email uh c 2 Pod at gmail.com all of this is in the show notes Um, And I think that is it, unless I forgot something. So two Close Encounter stories with Whitley Strieber from April 29th. 2023 if you are unfamiliar with whitney he is an author best known for his book communion which is about his alien encounter experiences he has had very many uh, but this particular time he was on coast to coast with george nori to discuss his new book called them which is actually about alien encounter experiences that people have written into him all right so whitley streber let's actually play george nori's interview because i think whitley just deserves that like i said he's one of the ogs
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, noted author Whitley Strieber with us, best selling author of more than 30 best selling books, including Communion and Superstorm, that he wrote with the late Art Bell. His latest work is called Them. Whitley, welcome back, my friend. How have you been?
0: Oh, busy. I'm glad to be back, though. I have been working on them for years, and that's why people haven't heard much of me except on my website and on Dreamland. I've Really, I mean, the book completely possessed me, and I think I've made some major breakthroughs, so uh, I'm glad it's out.
2: We got breakthroughs, Chris. Major breakthroughs from the Whitley Strieber. So what's the book about? So over the years, apparently, a bunch of people kept sending him their alien abduction stories. Right, because he was the alien abduction guy. Yeah. And there's no who else would you send it to back in the day? Right. Like, you know, two decades ago, Whitley's like the guy that you send this to. So then he saved all the letters and I guess he never did anything with them. And then eventually he goes back and reads them all in unison. And it's like, oh, there's all these patterns. So then he basically takes people's stories over the past couple of decades and then lays them out in his book. So you can kind of see like the patterns of these abduction experiences with being something's clearly happening here. Right, right, right. Just pattern recognition mm-hmm. and seeing what are the commonalities between all the stories. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. That's right. Uh, we're in solid territory right now, dude. Dude, he's grounded. This guy is legit. Yeah, I we're like in territory. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if anything, it's just good work, dude. What mm-hmm. are the commonalities between all these stories? Because here's the thing. Not all of them are making it up. Yeah, Some of them are are having a real genuine experience. Now, what that experience is, I don't know, but it would be nice to get the commonalities between all the real ones. Mm -hmm. I agree. But before we get to some of these experiences, we're going to dig into the alien phenomena more in general. Uh, So the first thing that Whitley gets into is talking about disclosure. He does not think disclosure is going to happen.
0: What I tried to do here was to take another look at a subject that we're not getting anywhere with the government is going to continue to Stonewall and I'm going to I'll tell you why and over the course of this show they will continue to Stonewall they will not there there is not going to be a magic moment of disclosure unless it is induced in some way that, uh, in some from from the outside in some way and I From the outside, I mean outside of government, not necessarily landing or anything like that.
2: What do you think, Paul? I am – I struggle with this one because I do think eventually if something is happening, they're going to have to tell us because it it will eventually leak even if it takes a while. Unless it's so locked down that only like a handful of people know what's actually happening – If if there are enough people involved, we will find out. So I think I don't know. I think the government will have to tell us something eventually. But I do agree. I don't think the government's going to want to. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think they're. I think you're kind of both right. They're going to hold on to the secret as long as they can, Mm -hmm. because this is life shattering stuff. This is going to totally change change everything i really do buy that notion that this is going to mess people up not only that aliens exist but that they've been visiting earth and that there's a mothership off the coast of the bermuda triangle you know what i always wonder though and we're never going to know until it actually happens what if we find out And like, no one actually gives a shit because when we found out that the government actually knew about UFOs for a very long time and had been recording them and we didn't know what they were, it was a news story. And then everyone forgot about it. Part of me is like, what if we find out there's aliens? It's going to be a bigger deal for sure. Maybe like a month of the news cycle. And then it's just back to normal. Like it wasn't even that big of an impact. Do you think, I think people will not so much be frustrated about the aliens or surprised about the aliens, but that the government possibly had contact with them for so long and kept it under wraps for so long. I mean, we're just in a period where we have found out most of our institutions that we believed were these like shining golden pillars have are all crumpled, dude. They're all like defecating and just having death rattles, dude. And like, we're all finding out. I always I always compare it to Glasnost and Perestroika in the Soviet Union, except that was the Soviet Union's policy. They decided to tell the truth about all the stuff that's happening. The American government is not telling us the truth they are consistently lying to us we just we find out about the lies you know it's it's almost like if you've ever told a lie to someone even like a white lie like i've unintentionally lied to someone before and it's been a situation where it's like oh i said i misspoke i said something weird But then I don't correct it if you don't correct it for long enough that you're like, I have to keep this going because it would be weird for me to bring it up. now. (laughs) It's it's kind of similar with the government. We're like, shit, maybe we should have said something, but like we haven't. So we kind of just got to keep pretending like nothing's here. (laughs) The cover up is worse than the crime. Almost always. Almost always. Except there is no cover up because they can just keep lying. Well, here's the thing, Chris, is that the government says we haven't had contact yet though. Which is a lie.
0: Claim is that has been made that there are no that there is no contact at, at all. However, the intelligence community certainly knows that there is and the reason I'm aware of that is very simple. Uh, Dr. David Webb uh, who was a member of the National Commission on Space and was uh, chairman of space, of space Studies at the Center for Aerospace Sciences at the University of North Dakota and had been, according to what he told us, in, in, the, in the intelligence community for many years, spent time at our cabin, acknowledged, in fact, in the, uh, in, in the introduction of communion, because of his support. Now, he was certainly talking to people in the intelligence community about what he was finding at that cabin. He never had a direct close encounter himself, but he did, I believe, as I recall, meet people who had, and he certainly had very extensive conversations with us.
2: So those reports exist somewhere I love those reports exist somewhere, dude, mm-hmm. at rules. I know, dude. He's so cool. <laughs> they exist. I'm telling you.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you,
2: George. You got to believe me, George. They're there. The well, it exist. for context too, when he refers to his cabin. That's where some of the alien abduction experiences occurred. Right. That's where he okay. was like essentially messed with by aliens. It's where they took his like genetic material if you know what i mean right um, stuff like that was would occur um at the cabin you're talking anal probes dude oh and a lot of uh, i believe there was also i haven't read communion but i believe there's also some like semen involved we already brought this up dude prostate milking well i mean if we go back to professor masters thinking about the fact that maybe there's some sort of genetic collapse in the future and these are actually us from the future needing genetic material it's an interesting idea It really is a fascinating concept. I hope not, though, dude. I'm hoping it's not future humans. I'm hoping it's extraterrestrials from a different planet. (laughs) It would be less awful for sure. All right, next up. One of the reasons why he says that Whitley says that we aren't going to hear much about this is because they're not documenting any of it. None of this information is actually being written down.
0: And as I have been told many times by many people on the inside, the rule of thumb is pencils up during meetings. You don't take notes. You don't commit anything to paper. And, in fact, Arthur Exon, General Exon, who was, I believe, a lieutenant colonel at at, at Wright Field when the Roswell materials were brought in, was a family friend, told me in 1988 That he was still going to write Pat to uh, liaise with the scientific community committee that was working on this subject. Wow. Because they there was so little paperwork from the past and they had to know what had been done and also where to find what did exist. Now if there if there is ever a time when any historians start trying to put this story together You know what their primary source material is going to have to be? It's going to have to be the newspapers of the period because the official record is going to turn out to be gone.
2: That one rings pretty true to me. I bet there is not a lot of written record when it comes to this stuff. I imagine that most of the written stuff uh, comes from the military, like the Air Force, the Navy, when they've ran into these objects in the wild. Mm-hmm. but I I imagine that it probably would be handled a lot like we saw with Billy Coops and Behold a Pale Horse, dude, when his naval submarine came across a UFO. They're going to be like, you didn't see anything, did you, Cooper? No, sir, I didn't see anything. That's right. You're a great, great soldier, Cooper. You didn't see anything. Like gonna, that's how <laughs> this is probably gonna be handled most of the time. You're gonna unless go unless it's the group that is directly responsible for it. Like we've said like we were saying in that episode, it's a bureaucratic structure, dude. At the end of the day, the whole federal government is, and so there will be a group that has jurisdiction over UFOs and UAPs, essentially. Yeah, and the interesting thing that Whitley brought up that I hadn't thought about is the lack of institutional knowledge because of the refusal refusal to document anything so that right. people who are attempting to research this have no groundwork, they have no foundation because no one's writing shit down. And right. to me, it's it's severely, if this is true, it's severely hampering our ability to figure out what's going on because if we are having encounters like Whitley's talking about, these encounters aren't necessarily like a parlay with the aliens, right? So if we don't necessarily know what they want, they are visiting us, but not meeting with our leaders. And our refusal to write anything down is going to keep us from figuring out what's happening or how they're doing this or how we can like potentially protect ourselves or better understand what's going on. Um, Now, all of that would be slightly irrelevant. If we do have government officials who are meeting with aliens so that's more in just a scenario of like, we aren't necessarily on equal footing with them. Right, dude. I mean, it, we're, it's the mice getting operated on or getting tested on and then going back with the other mice and being like, guys, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. They put me in a maze and at the end of the maze, there was a piece of cheese. Just like that. <laughs> but i mean it would. it's like if uh we we were trying to figure out like what capabilities like russian or chinese drones have but no one would like write it down and no one was talking right. to each other we would never figure anything out yeah you got to commit it all to memory yeah that's not that's not efficient so that is a concern honestly that's a concern for sure on top of the fact that it's also going to prevent disclosure because it's hard to leak something that doesn't exist super mafia style though Very mafia. Very. It's almost like the American government can behave like the mafia at times. So one of the things that he also gets into is that the little bit of record that there is, is actually being destroyed. Um, He references Adam Schiff here. It's actually Congressman Stephen Schiff who has passed away. They just got like the first names mixed up on this clip, just a heads up.
0: Adam Schiff was, he, he was partly, he was elected by that area of New Mexico to find out the truth about the Roswell. That's
1: right. That
0: is right. Yeah. And when he went to the Defense Department, they stonewalled him. And he called around to various people, including me, saying, you know, what should I do? And I said, my thought was, go to the General Accounting Office. They have to answer their questions by law. They don't have to answer yours. So he did. And the GAO found that every single piece of paperwork from Roswell, from Roswell Army Air Force, from 1947 to 1952, had been, quote, illegally destroyed. Everything. Wow. And, you know, you look at that and you think, well, what were they doing? Why would they bother to do that?
2: Yeah, Whitley's a real one, dude. Going to the GAO was sar- such a intelligent move because those are the accountants. Mm-hmm. Those are the government accountants, dude. They literally don't care. It's those are the best people to go to with FOIA requests and stuff because they just have all the bills, and so they that was such a smart move to go to them first i'm telling you dude he's legit he's legit man he's not, like so much on coast is someone who's like well i was in my bedroom and i was meditating and then i started speaking with you know aliens from from like zeta reticuli or some shit you know what i mean right. just like kind of just like astral projection nonsense whitley streber is in it dude he is yeah. in it he's not yeah, messing dude. around FOIA requested gao very very smart dude and that is freedom of information act But that's the place to go, dude. If you got questions, go to your state accountants, go to your city accountants, go to your county accountants, dude, and just start writing Freedom of Information Act requests if you have questions because, like, they just send you the documents. They're like, all right, this is all the transcripts that we have on where things paid for, dude. And if you follow the money, dude, you'll follow the corruption always. (laughs) That's legitimately strange. That the government actually destroyed the documents. It is, it is very strange. I don't really have a good explanation for that one, man. It's almost like something happened out there in Roswell, New Mexico. Something happened dude. Something, something, something secretive happened. <laughs> well, the problem though is, according to Whitley, even when something secretive happens and like maybe some information's being leaked, you can't trust whistleblowers
0: it, it, when I see this whenever I see someone is a whistleblower my radar I mean I, I become very suspicious that they might be making it up and some of my head probably having a locomotion from the intelligence community especially the ones that are in the military
1: to send people down the wrong path
0: exactly yep. so I, I'm not a I, I don't buy into whistleblowers personally and and people who are revealing classified infor- information and not getting dinged for it. I, I don't think so.
2: Whitley making a whole lot of sense, dude. <laughs> Whitley making a ton of sense. Limited hangouts. And not just limited hangouts, but like misdirection limited hangouts. Because that's that's the thing, man, is that when people are leaking information and a lot of bad stuff doesn't happen to them. You know, I mean, look what happens when Ed Snowden leaks information, right? He has right. to run away to Russia, you right. know? Right. The, U- the U.S. government doesn't like it when you tell its secrets, and it will yes. lay down the hammer. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just a situation where I, I think he's definitely right on this. Like, if, if they say that they're releasing classified information, but they're not ending up in jail, you should be questioning them for sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Look at Julian Assange, dude. That guy has been in... He was in prison and then he was stuck in an embassy and it's been like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so long. He looks so bad too. I feel he so looks bad. So people. bad. They've tortured, dude, but the man. So, you're totally right. Look at Snowden. Yeah. Crazy dude. Yeah. If, if they're getting to go on ABC, dude, not a real whistleblower. And Snowden snowden leaked something that was shown to be illegal he leaked right. the fact that we were breaking the law right. and he's still having to hide in russia right 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 yeah dude thanks obama <laughs> so that was actually all obama wasn't it <laughs> that was all obama dude it was all obama. um all right so what a great liberal dude so chris i, I don't know if you know this did you know that george nori was friends with an astronaut I, 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 that was, that's probably one of the few George Norrie facts I know. Has this come up before? It has come up several well, times, actually. It, it came up again. Okay, good.
1: Over the years was the late Edgar Mitchell, Apollo 14 astronaut. Yeah, hey. Edgar,
2: Edgar was pretty
0: straightforward. Did you ever interview him?
1: Yo, many times, many times. I'd like to be able to say I was his friend after well, the years I've known him and I mean, he told me, he said, George, I've never seen a UFO when I was on the moon, but I've been told by people that I work with in government that we are being visited. And he was dead serious.
0: But he, no, he knew a lot of things. And he had a lot of information that he kept to himself.
2: Oh, man, what information did he have? So are you familiar with Edgar Mitchell, Chris? Other than George mentioning him a couple of times, I'm not at all. So to give you a little background, Edgar Mitchell, who passed away in 2016, he was a Navy officer, an aeronautical engineer, and also an astronaut who piloted the lunar module for the Apollo 14 moon mission. Okay, so certified badass. Yeah, certified badass, piloted the lunar module, right? That's pretty hardcore stuff. Now, on top of all this, he was also an ufologist, (laughs) yes yeah. so wait a minute dude you were telling me that this uber badass was also a ufologist yes this is changing my whole idea of ufology now a man who went to the moon and was an aeronautical engineer super into ufo so in a dateline interview in 1996 just as an example of this Uh, Mitchell claimed that he had met with officials from three different countries who claimed to have personal encounters with aliens. He also said that there was a cabal of insiders inside of our government who were studying alien bodies and that they stopped briefing U.S. presidents on all of this after Kennedy was assassinated. Boom, 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 dude. That's good stuff. It's tying all the classics together, man. That's good stuff, dude. Oh, man. Because guess what? That probably means the CIA killed Kennedy. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm saying. And it may have been because of alien technology. Yeah, yeah. It may very well been because of alien technology that he was going to share with the Soviets, dude. To bring us all together. Oh, my gosh, dude. I bet they had some sweet like free energy devices or like ensure that nobody ever goes hungry again kind of like free asteroid mining almost and it would have just like made poverty non-existent but the CIA needs to feed off of the negative energy that comes from repression that is the most magical explanation of the CIA. Yes, dude, they have to because they're worshipers of Moloch, dude. <laughs> Worshippers of the snake and the dragon. Oh, uh, bring it back to Billy Coops. <laughs> so you you asked about Edgar, though. Yes. What kind of dirty he had? Let's get into what kind of dirty he's got.
0: And Edgar was particularly he loquacious about alien species and so forth that he knew were around and. Things I didn't even, I didn't think we really had any proof of, but he insisted we did. But never did I hear him speak about any of these things in any even semi-public situation. No, you're that right. Was the only time he really opened up. And uh, so he knew things. He knew a lot of things that he, he didn't talk about. And I've often wondered where that information came from. I know there's a briefing that uh, I know some people who have gotten it, gotten a long two-day briefing. I, uh, I believe Jim Semivan has mentioned that he got that briefing uh, 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 that goes through the whole history of this insofar as
2: it's still remembered. Can you imagine receiving that briefing? I cannot. I would flip out, dude. This is everything we know about aliens and UFOs coming to Earth. In the last 60 years, 70 years, that would be the no- most nuts briefing of my entire life, dude. And so, here's the thing, too. You know, I love playing the skeptic, Chris. Like, that's I feel like that's kind of my bit on the show is I gotta be like kind of anti a lot of this stuff. When it comes to Whitley Strieber, I lose all skepticism. I don't know what it is, I just think this guy's awesome. And I just bite into it so hard and I would freak out if there was like, well, it was like, hey, I got a copy of the super secret report that my buddy had. Like, I would lose my mind. I'm I- liking him a lot, dude. He's making yeah. a ton of sense so far. What else we got? So let's jump into one of his encounter stories. This one is actually from the 60s. Okay, this is where I'm going to start getting a little more skeptical. Yeah, is this is going to be your stuff. We, we, it's a very long story. I think it's worth it though. Cause it's kind of creepy, but, um, so I, I broke it up into a couple of clips that we're going to kind of talk through.
0: A woman is going, taking her, her daughter to California. The daughter's a child. She's, uh, uh about, um, I think two or three and they're driving across country at, from Texas. They decide, she decides they will cross the Mojave Desert at night, because this is back in the, I guess, back in the 60s. And in those days, cars were not friendly to crossing extremely hot deserts. They're crossing the desert at night, and all of a sudden, the little girl begins to notice lights in the sky, a light in the sky. This is all, the woman is already under the influence of whoever is in that object. Because what decisions does she make? Not to turn around and go back to Flagstaff, where they'd started. Not to race down the highway at 90 miles an hour to try to get away with from it. No. Instead, she decides it would be a good idea to drive off a, onto a lonely side road into the desert. When suddenly she is pulled out and the daughter with her of the car right through the windshield, which remains intact. And that's not unusual in this experience. This happens a lot.
1: Like beamed out?
0: Yep. They have absolute control. One of them once said to an abductee years ago, one of Bud's group,
2: we rearrange Adam. Oh, snap, dude. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, dude. So the idea being that they could pull these people out of their car through the windshield by just rearranging the windshield around them and then putting it back together once they're through well i don't even know if you would need to do that if you had the ability to control atoms like that you could just like beam somebody through the car oh yeah i guess that's true because we're mostly space right yeah you know what i mean i mean it's just star trek yeah so okay what else we got so next up, she goes onto their ship, Chris.
0: So that they end up in this space with these all of these TV screens. The daughter is gone, and the, the mother is in this uh, situation, and she's told she's told that she's a member of a very ancient family called the family of Ram R A M N, and that they are there because. They wanted to reconnect with her. They are very careful to give her uh, a name. They said that this they uh, they said that this was had been always her name, and for many many thousands of years, uh, and that this name that she it was essential that she remember this name. She had to remember it they told it to her again and again and again and made her memorize
2: not liking this part dude (laughs) you know not a not a big fan of this part the the ancient bloodlines and she's actually like part alien and she has some secret name that she's supposed to remember all that yeah dude don't love any of that what it reminds me of is past life regression where everyone was like a pharaoh or a queen or something, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone's super important in their past lives when in real reality none of us would have been. I think this is kind of the same thing, where you it's sh- like <laughs> you lived in poop and pee most of your life. Well, and it would be the you same just, thing with aliens, right? Like do, most do, aliens aren't important. Doo-doo on your hands 24/7 for about 45 to 50 years and then you died in some terrible manner probably disease you died of dysentery or something right but it would be the same for aliens too right i mean i guess i don't know the hierarchy of aliens maybe it's like a hive mind situation but i'm guessing if there is a hierarchy that means that most of the people are not relevant to the the structure right right so that i would just assume like most of the aliens are important. Most of us aren't important. I just feel like if I were an alien, I wouldn't be an alien that mattered very much in terms of like, you are powerful and here to save the world by remembering your day. You know what I mean? Well, and I, and I think we've already solved this problem with bubble consciousness, right? That we're all part of a collective universal consciousness. We just get a little piece of it. And then when we die, we go back to the big bubble. And so, in fact, yeah, kind of everyone is a pharaoh. Everyone is a crazy, cool, extraterrestrial alien that came to Earth thousands of years ago and created a bloodline on Earth. Everyone has that, right? Everyone is a little piece of it. We're all part of the Godhead, man. That's what I'm saying, bro. Little piece of God right in right in your heart, man. So anyways, all right, not loving this encounter story. all right well let's let's there's two more parts to it. so let's yeah. let's finish it up and then we'll get your, get your take on it. All right.
0: And they get to California and the little girl tells the mother that the, that the these people told her that there were bugs inside her and they couldn't get them out, they couldn't cure her, and that she was going to die. She then gets a disease, a a disease of the nervous system, a cancer of the nervous system. Very rare, happens in childhood. The mother, desperate to save her child, rushes back to Texas with her to where she perceives that there are better doctors in Houston, and the child dies of
2: the cancer. That's good stuff, dude, because it actually is attached to the 4chan UFO whistleblower. Oh, back to the 4chan. Because at whistleblower claimed that they're really that aliens are really only interested in two things when it comes to abduction. They're interested about diseases and they're interested about radi- the effects on humans of radiation and so this actually lines up that they would want if this was like a truly a incredibly rare autoimmune disease aliens would probably want to abduct you and the other claim was that they would only abduct you in low population areas so the mojave desert pretty low population pretty low population why do you think it is cuz i i think there's the natural thing of like you want to go in the low population so that you're not seen but i feel like they would have the technology to be able to abduct us from anywhere wouldn't they i would think so but they would want they would naturally be cautious yeah and just it, it's difficult to abduct somebody for several hours in the midst of a Giant city, but in the middle of nowhere, Mojave Desert Highway. I mean, it's possible that no car drives past this person for four hours, five hours. Yeah, that's true. And no one's going to come calling for you in the middle of the Mojave Desert either. Right. Especially Especially back back in the day, there was no way to contact you until you got to the next rest stop. Wait, I just thought of something. So Whitley talks about how there was a big rash of, um, alien abductions back in the day that have like essentially stopped, like they aren't really occurring anymore. So his theory was that the aliens wrapped up whatever it was that they were doing, like their project or whatever. What if it's just that we all have cell phones now and it's way too easy for us to like track them or take pictures and like it's it's put their it, it it's exposing them in a way that they were not exposed previously. So they stopped doing it. They've become incredibly more secret, right? So they have to be, they're not just abducting willy nilly anymore like they really need the information now if they're going to abduct somebody yeah so like after fukushima right i bet there was a, a rash of uh japanese abductions or after chernobyl there was probably a rash of of russian abductions um ebola in africa i bet there's always abductions around there right? These like strange things that happen. I, I can only imagine with Corona, dude, that was probably a pretty ripe time for abductions that you're having a fever dream. You were actually getting abducted. That's exactly right. So there's one last part to this story. That's kind of important because it also ties in a lot of these stories together. And it has to do with this mom after her, her daughter tragically passes away. She gets a call from a friend.
0: And a few days after the little girl has died, she gets a call from a friend in Houston who's legally blind. But this friend says, I'm coming up to see you and I'm leaving right now. I have something to tell you. I cannot tell you on the phone. I don't know how. And in a few hours, there she is in, in, in Austin. And she says this, tells this story. I woke up in the middle of the night and the entire roof of my house was gone. It was just blackness. And there were these two beings there, and your daughter was standing between them. And they said to me, they had been trying to get through to you, but they couldn't because you were so grief-stricken. You, couldn't, you weren't able to notice them. And they wanted me to tell you that your daughter is
2: all right. Dude, are the aliens doing like a 4,400 or heroes thing? That was what I wanted to ask you about, because what are they doing with that girl? Yeah, dude, do they have like an abductee zoo or something somewhere? And that mothership off of the Bermuda Triangle? So in like removing myself from the situation entirely and just looking at this from like a lore perspective, right? Like what is the lore that we're getting at here? I mm-hmm. the two main things that popped in my head. I didn't think of the 4400 thing. I think that's awesome, which is a callback to the show 4400, where a bunch of people were like abducted and then came back with special powers. I think that what was that on? That was uh, future. That was future humanity abducting them. Yeah, future humanity was. What was that network? USA. USA. It was on USA. Yeah, that was great show. Great. Show. Great show. Great show. Um, But the the two things that I thought in terms of like what we've discussed on the show previously was these are some sort of angelic beings that are interacting with us. Um, And they have like the spirit of the daughter, because like if she had passed away, how else would she be there? Or number two, they had cloned the daughter, which I'm super uncomfortable with. I don't really know of another explanation. Don't like the cloning idea, Paul. I don't like that one. Don't love the cloning idea. (laughs) I'm going to lean towards <laughs> interdimensional, but still don't love that idea either. I guess, yeah, like some sort of interdimensional beings, like wherever our soul goes. But why are they coming to us? Why are they here? Yeah. I don't know, dude. The lore the lore on this one is strange. I, I am never a giant fan of abduction lore because this is the part that makes me question everything. The, the abduction scenarios do? Yeah. Well, and, and apparently, Whitley goes into another example. Uh, uh, the dead folks show up a lot uh, to, to people who are interacting with aliens, which is not something I've heard of a ton. But he gave an example of someone who was visiting his cabin and she was like driving up the road. And while she was driving up, she saw her brother who had disappeared like two decades before was in the road. And then she shows back up like shaking and talking about like, oh, my God, like I just saw my brother. And then he just like disappeared. So I don't know, man. Apparently dead folks are showing up all the time um, around aliens. Do you think this is Carl Sagan's contact coming into the the cultural zeitgeist because Jodie Foster Yeah. Sees her dad. That's how the aliens come to her. Do you think that it's based in reality or do you think that people are, are projecting because they watched that movie or read that book? Ooh, that's an interesting idea. I was thinking that people are, are taking that idea upon them, but you're totally right. Carl Sagan could have gotten that from (laughs) the zeitgeist from, from the conscious bubble. Yeah. Right. That, and the alien or maybe the aliens were like, you know, actually, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> like, let's just be their like dead relative. And so it'll be a little bit easier for them to accept this weird thing that's happening. That would be so funny if the aliens were stealing ideas on how to abduct us from our movies. <laughs> yeah, from Carl, watching from our media, Carl like, Sagan. That's really smart. That's it. That's really smart to do. That's a great idea. Yeah, they're just like watching all of our contactee stuff. Oh, I hope that's the case. That is my my new goal uh, is is I want the audience to be doing that. Uh, Well, we have another experience, Chris, that I wanted to share with you. And this was a guy who started getting really severe headaches. And then he had a very strange experience.
0: A little while later, this noise comes over his house, this throbbing noise. And he begins to feel as if his soul is being pulled out of his body. His wife embraces him and ends up embracing him on top of him. And they're struggling with this thing throbbing above the house and his soul going up and his wife calling to him and calling to him and holding him and saying, don't leave, don't leave. And this goes on for two and a half hours through the whole night. And then at dawn, as dawn breaks, the throbbing noise slowly disappears into the night, into what is left of the night. And they're left alone. Was someone trying to steal his soul? Or was someone trying to replace
2: Oh, dude, are, we're talking about Soul replacement now? <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> I don't like that idea. At all. It kind of reminds me of Dark City, the movie that came out around the time of the Matrix where the aliens were running a city and were literally just like switching all the humans around so that you would have a completely different life when you woke back up. I don't think I haven't seen that. Oh, dude, that's a great movie. Dark City, dude. Definitely recommend that highly. I'll check that out. Yeah, I mean, terrifying thought that, one, they could remove our souls and then, two, replace it with something else. I don't like that. I'm actually going to disagree that extraterrestrials would have an ability to take out somebody's soul. I think this is actually one of the... We're getting into, like, super metaphysical universal Mm -hmm. evolution here but i would imagine that that is actually one of the reasons why these aliens if they are coming to earth they don't have these answers they don't have the these like universal questions that we tangle with on a daily basis right like do i have a soul is there a plan for me is there a a Godhead underneath all of this. They don't have the answers to those questions either. So I don't think they would be able to take our souls or change out our souls. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good point because to do, uh, you know, my classic sci-fi analogy in, in Stargate, when the ancient, alien race who built the stargates they ascend right to the next plane of existence they become those interdimensional beings kind of like we were talking about before and they don't care at all about what happens on our plane of existence they are so far beyond that you can't find them can't ask for their help they don't give a shit right they're on the next level and i think you're right man if you can manipulate souls I feel like you're you're at the point of the evolution of your uh, of your race and of your existence where I don't think you would visit her. Why would you care? Why why experiment with us at all? You have everything figured out. The interdimensional being will be an a, a an entity that would be able to create and destroy life On the universal scale and once you get to that level knowing that and accepting that you don't even act upon it and so the the, an extraterrestrial that would be able to do this thing would it be coming to earth to like play with humans they're beyond that level of like we think about this in terms of Maslow's hierarchy, we can't even see the top of this pyramid. And so they would, why would they come to earth? They're on to like the paradise level or something like that, but they would still be striving. They wouldn't mess with us. These are, these beings are, are on our dimension and have to work with the physics that we have to work with right it's the agents in the matrix everyone is going to have to work under these conditions until like you said until you ascend to the interdimensional being that's actually a really good analogy the the agents in the matrix and then like the interdimensional be like neo right right who can manipulate it and exit in there as well. Um, And we, we're kind of going off of Whitley at, at now, but I, I'm actually curious because to argue against kind of what I was saying before, do you think it would be possible, and this goes back to, to um, Dr. Sala in the Confederation of Planets, where he was talking about like these benevolent alien races who are attempting to help humanity spiritually. Do you think it would be possible for a, a race that has reached, a new dimension or a new level of reality do you think that they would potentially want to come to earth to help us get there too like they're looking for sentient beings across the universe and saying like let me help raise you up um as opposed to maybe just wanting to steal us for our semen and eggs i think this same general dynamics play it's just not negative this time it's that when you got to that level I I I truly believe I truly believe in the idea that there is a prime directive that generally throughout the universe a, a civilization capable of interplanetary, intersolar system, intergalactic travel would not mess with a developing civilization, especially one that wasn't even interplanetary for us, for instance, right? We don't have humans living on the moon. We don't have humans living on Mars. We have a couple living in the international space station, which is barely in space. It's barely in space. (laughs) So I, I don't think they would mess with us understanding because again, this may be a lesson. Like if we never meet other extraterrestrials, right? Let's just say Whitley Strieber, all this, there's no aliens coming here. We've been completely left alone for the last thousands of years, right? We would probably have to learn the lesson that you don't mess with a developing civilization if we were to ever find one because either they would attempt to destroy us or they would destroy themselves accidentally or something like that and we would be like oops oh crap maybe you don't do that yeah i think that's a good point i think that's a really good point because there there may be something about having to develop and slowly adopting the technology that is vital to a civilization's ability to thrive in the intergalactic scene and that if you try to hijack it or if you try to skip steps then things start to break and that's when they a civilization ends themselves right because imagine if you gave like a bunch of people in medieval europe a nuke like what do you think they would do without fully understanding what the implications were of that you know what i mean it's keyholes and the keyhole you can either you can either unlock the potential and evolve the civilization as a whole or you can lock and terrible things can happen right and we are now in the part of our keyhole development where it truly is civilizational wide the effects that it can have nuclear weapons being example of this are are working to bioweapons like the coronavirus are another example of this and so all these things what we learn from them can make the world better but when used terribly like any other tool it can lead to our destruction Well chris do you want to hear whitley's final thoughts to wrap us up on aliens and how they're actually playing 4d chess with us i absolutely want to hear this let's do it
0: whatever happened at roswell they were i think they meant to crash that 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 device there i think and they did it because they knew that it would be the beginning of secrecy and they knew They could not do what they wanted to do with us without the government being completely secretive about it.
1: So you're saying they, they engineered the secrecy?
0: They engineered the secrecy from the beginning. Whether they did it on purpose or by accident, I cannot know. But it was their actions that caused the secrecy. And during the abduction period, the secrecy was essential. They couldn't do that. If we had known that was happening, this would have been. You're talking about guns. We got guns now. We would have had a fairly large number of guns around at that point. Oh, yeah. And there would have been lights everywhere. People would have been waiting for them.
2: I love the idea of an alien just like in the mothership smoking a giant doob and is like, (laughs) hey, guys, watch what happens when I do this. It's going to send a whole secret industrial military congressional complex for the next 70 years it's going to be so funny this is just like a bunch of teenagers like screwing with us alien teenagers having a good time it, it that's the only idea i know you're being facetious right but it that's truly the only idea that makes any sense that this is a civilization that grew up too fast the keyhole didn't destroy them but they also didn't learn the lessons they were supposed to that would be the only real reason why i can imagine that they would mess with us like this well in in you know i was being a little facetious but not entirely because i think that it is possible Because we don't have an example of what other civilizations look like, right? We don't know how easy space travel is. We don't know how accessible it is to people. Like in The Expanse, when, you know, if you're rich enough, you can buy your own spaceship and you can fly around, right? If something like that is possible, it's also going to be really difficult to maintain law and order even. So it could right. be that they do have good rules and there are people who go out and find a planet and they just start screwing around because they can't. Like That's a possibility. Or like you said, it's a possibility. Maybe they don't have strict enough regulations and it's actually their government or their bureaucracy who's doing this, uh, not thinking about the implications for the civilization met- they're messing with. I think- Pretty much anything is up in the air, to be totally honest, in terms of, like, what's happening and why. That's true. It could be a very, like, anarchist society, and they're essentially space pirates that are coming to Earth and messing with us. Like, even if there was a no-go zone around our solar system, I'm sure there's going to be ways to break through that. Yeah, and what if... Like you said, they are space pirates because Whitley talks about a lot of like genetic material harvesting. Imagine what that would go for in the black market. Do you want human eggs, you know, uh, from from planet Earth? You know, when you're over hanging out Zeta Reticuli, like people pay a lot of money for that shit, dude. You know how much people pay for like weird iguanas and alligators in America? Like, I just feel like people would pay a lot of money for genetic material from humans. Those aliens are selling beef and sheep meat for for just astronomical amounts of money (laughs) that's what cow mutilations were that's what cow mutilations and sheep mutilations have been about the whole entire time they've been like cutting out the organs and selling them to the highest bidders to the the face tattooed head spiked people of the intergalactic system We make up all these like crazy ideas like, oh, they're doing all this genetic testing and stuff. And it's like, no, they're using the cattle just like we use the cattle. They're eating them. It's just like for them, it's like bald eagle. You know, it's like this really rare meat. You have male aliens (laughs) drinking human sperm for virility. I fully buy into this now. This is now my new favorite theory. It's pirates. It's Earth TV, right? Where we're just it's just a giant TV show. Yeah. Well, and it fits in with Whitley's, a lot of Whitley's ideas too, because he basically talks about how these are really negative experiences and they're not necessarily doing positive things. So I think maybe they are doing, this is some sort of black market scheme. Chris on a scale of one to five alien abduction cabins. What do you give Whitley streamer? I almost want to give him like two different ratings because When he was talking about the lore, the alien lore, I was loving that stuff, dude. So he would get like a four, four and a half on me on that. But then he started getting into the abductions. And then I'm like a two and a half and a three. I just don't love the abduction stuff. It's just not my favorite because I think there are too many things that discount it. Like we've talked about it before, but like sleep paralysis and stuff like that, where it can be something else. And you truly believe that this experience is happening. This seems like a totally logical experience. I'm sure it's crazy, but you're like my roof turned black and these beings came down and they looked like aliens And I couldn't move. And then they operated on me. All of that, you can totally believe in sleep paralysis. And so, and I think it is a good idea that he's collecting these experiences, though. I think that's a great idea. I love the idea of the meme ethnographer, right? He's like capturing the meme because I often believe that a lot of this stuff is code for something that else that is happening in the society. Mm-hmm. And so I really love to go through this book and kind of get a a whole bunch of a whole bunch of case studies that we could then study and say, oh, well, that's kind of strange that all of these examples have X, Y, and Z. Oh, anyways, there's a few thoughts on, from me, Paul. How about that? No, that's you? What'd you that's really it? helpful. That's that's definitely helpful. So I, I give him a five across the board. I really like Whitley. I really enjoy alien abduction stories. I think I like them in the same way that I like ghost stories. Like, I just think they're really enjoyable and interesting. Right. And even if it's right. not true, I, I don't know. I just like to hear them because I think they're also kind of spooky. And what you just said, Chris, is making me think we should probably do the fire in the sky, Travis Walton, abduction story because i think that's the most legit story that i've really heard of in terms of like an alien abduction experience um do it bud you know i'm here i'm a follower dude i don't lead yeah so maybe we should do that soon that there's a really good art bell interview with travis walton that i think we could talk through all right. Well, that has been our episode of Coast to Coast PM, the number one on official Coast to Coast AM podcast. You can support us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month by following the link in the show notes. If not, totally cool. We will be back next week. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.